Take your Bibles this morning, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews chapter number three, the book of Hebrews chapter number three, and uh, Ryan over there on live stream, man, brand new member of Shawnee Baptist Church, and uh, they've been coming here for about a month and a half now, and on live stream already, appreciate you serving this morning, Uh, what a blessing that is. Hebrews chapter number three, would you stand with me this morning for the reading of the word of God, Hebrews chapter number three, and we're going to look this morning at verses one through six. We are introducing a new series. You see it up there on the screen. Jesus is better. We'll talk more about that the next uh, couple weeks, but wanted to jump in and kind of kick it off and get our minds thinking in the same direction this month and uh, looking forward to what the Holy Spirit does today. Hebrews chapter three, verse number one, the Bible says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, insomuch as he hath builded the house, hath more honor than the house." For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. I'd like you to look back where with me at verse number one. It'll be our text passage, but would you read that together with me this morning? Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 1, ready, begin. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Father, we love you. We thank you for the privilege we have this morning to open up your word. And I pray that we would never take it for granted that you've placed us in a country and given us the opportunity to possess your words. And God, I pray this morning as I preach from your word that your Holy Spirit would fill me as the preacher and each one of us as listeners. I know many came this morning for different circumstances and for different reasons, but I'm grateful you brought us all here. And I know today you would like to do and you desire to do work in our hearts and lives. We pray that our mind and our heart would be open to your word, that your spirit would speak to us, and that you would help us as we kick off a theme, as we kick off uh, this series for the month of November. And God, we pray that at the end of the message this morning, if there's one that does not know your son Jesus Christ as their personal savior, that today would be the day of their salvation. And Father, if there's one that needs encouragement, I pray that Uh, This morning, they would receive that encouragement. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you do. For the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we ask these things. Amen. You may be seated. The title of the message this morning is, Would You Consider? Would You Consider? There is so much to think about these days. If normal life, work, family, health, School, bills, vehicles, more bills and more bills and home. If that was not enough to think about, there is enough in the next two months that consumes our thoughts. 
How many understand the holiday season is now upon us? I know some of you are guilty out there. You've already begun to listen to Christmas music. Where are you at? Where is your Christmas music people? You've already turned the Christmas music on. Yes. And uh, not me, my friends. I reject Christmas music until after Thanksgiving. And uh, I feel like I'm cheating on the, the grateful Thanksgiving holiday if I get out in front of it. The holiday season is approaching. Thanksgiving and Christmas right around the corner. Decorations, family gatherings, vacations, presents, a pumpkin spice and peppermint mocha, right? And uh, it, is, it is evident. I know even the choir began starting uh, their Christmas music this evening. How many believe this morning it's a borderline vacation? If you can sit down in your, on your couch or on your lazy boy and just stop and think about absolutely nothing. And uh, you ever been there? If I just pause just for a moment and for there nothing to go across my mind wave, sometimes I think that might be enough for today. I, if I could just get that, I would be okay. Today's culture has a way of filling our minds. Today's culture has a way of keeping our minds, our thoughts busy. Uh, for instance, many uh, turn the TV on right when they get home and the, the television consistently plays uh, from the start of people arriving at home to the end of uh, people going to bed. Why? Because the awkwardness of nothing going through the TV is, is weird. It's different. You watch a younger generation walk around with earphones uh, on their head. And there's a constant uh, not being able to get away, uh, not being able to stop and just to think. And so what do we have to do to combat that? We've got to play music over and over and over and over and over in our head. Why? Because it would be awful if we would just stop and have to think for a moment. Uh, events, parties, pulling our attention here and there. Social, social media. And it might not be a struggle for everybody. I know uh, I am attracted to social media and many of us are attracted to social media. But if we're not careful, uh, social media begins to keep our minds full. If there's nothing else to do, if there's nothing else to think about, we jump into the lives of other people and we scroll through our uh, friends list to find out what they're doing and, and what we're missing out on or, or what's taking place in the world around us. And what does it do? It keeps our minds busy. It keeps our minds full. If we're not careful this morning, our minds are full. They're busy with a lot of things that really don't matter in the grand scheme of life. And there are a few areas we must admit that suffer from it. Let me give just three quick ones. First of all, the home. The home suffers for it. I honestly believe there's never been a weaker time in America, in the homes than there is right now. Why is that? Because we're constantly being pulled, our minds are constantly pulled different directions. It's now unusual to sit down at a dinner table with family, to have the TV off and to sit there as a family and communicate over supper. Now television, or now television becomes uh, the mode of entertainment and there's TV trays and dinner is spent not communicating with one another, but having something else communicate back to us. The home suffers. Not only that, but I believe personal relationships suffer. 
Maybe there's never been another time where we had so many friends, but never had real friends. By the way, social media friends are not friends. They're they're not friends. Friendship is not built over social media. Friendship is built on -on one-on-one communication in person. It gives us a way to communicate, but sometimes we're mystified by it. We're blinded by it. Oh, look at all the followers I have. Look at all the people that are paying attention to me. But there's no real deep relationships in life. And there's, there's nobody there. There's nobody around. Our homes suffer because of the busyness in our minds. Our relationships suffer because of the busyness of our minds. But I also believe this morning the practice of our faith suffers because our minds are so busy consumed with other things in life. We are so busy thinking about so many things that we leave very little time to think and leave very little time to meditate on the things of God. Now, with that as our foundation, I'd like us to look back at our text verse. Hebrews chapter 3. It's found in the book of Hebrews, a somewhat difficult book to understand for new believers, yet it is jam-packed with many wonderful truths. It is a book you'd call filled with spiritual meat, or a rich doctrine. If this morning you were to take the book of Hebrews and pick one verse that would sum the entire book, that would explain the book, that would help you better understand why the book of Hebrews was written, this verse would be that verse. One verse would hinge the wonderful lessons and uh, the purpose of this book's existence is found right here. Now, There's many more quotable verses in Hebrews, uh, many uh, more popular verses in the book of Hebrews, but this verse helps us understand the book better than any other singular verse. Look there back with me, Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 1. You read it just a minute ago. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. To understand this book and our series this month, we have to grasp, meaning we have to understand what the Holy Spirit of God is trying to tell us, trying to teach us here in this verse. What word does the verse start with? Help me out. Wherefore. We got a half of you. All right, here we go. Let's try it again. What verse does this, uh, what word does this verse start with? Wherefore. In Scripture, when you come to the words, therefore, And wherefore, they are used as guides to help us with logical thinking. They're words that are introduced, they're words that are placed in to help us get to the next thought. In many cases, uh, Paul will use them often in the epistles. It's, I told you something, therefore, or wherefore, I told you that, this is the case, or this is going to happen. The word wherefore, though, is a little bit different than the word therefore. The word wherefore is almost like a revolving door. It's almost, you've seen one of those doors on a hinge, uh, and you push it one way, and it swings back the other direction, and it, it, goes, it goes both directions, all right? Uh, when your kids were young, you told them that before they crossed the street, they were to do what? Look both ways, Look both ways. 
That is exactly what this word wherefore means. It means to look both ways. The Holy Spirit of God is saying, uh, I want you to consider the things that I have said in chapters one and two, and looking at those, I also want you to look at what's gonna take place from chapter three to chapter 13, and all of those hinge, the reason for all of those are found in what we're gonna look at right here. He says, where for? Now, he says, wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. The word brethren is used because the apostle was writing, I believe, to his own people, the Jews. Not just to his own people, but primarily that's who the book of Hebrews was written to. Notice that he does not say earthly brethren. I believe the writer of Hebrews is the Apostle Paul. You, you could sit down and argue that, and there could be quite a few cases. But in believing or holding to that opinion that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, he could have called them his earthly brethren. But he did not say earthly brethren. He said heavenly brethren. The Apostle Paul was not writing to unsaved Jews. He was writing to those who were partakers of the holy calling. The Jews were earthly brethren, descendants of Abraham, but now they were in Christ. Now they were holy brethren. By the way, how many this morning are partakers of the heavenly calling? You're saved, you're justified, you're set apart, you're redeemed, you're children of God. Woohoo! Isn't that wonderful? And you, my friends, are holy brethren. You say, Pastor, there's not much holy about me in the eyes of Christ. There is if you're saved this morning. If you're a child of God, our heavenly father looks down and he doesn't see your account this morning. What a blessing. But he sees the precious blood of Christ as covers our sins. Oh, what a wonderful thought. You and I are holy brethren. And the Holy Spirit encourages us, the child of God, Christian brethren, look both ways at what I have said and what I'm going to say and look at the remainder of verse number one. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. What does the Holy Spirit desire? Why does he want us to look back and look forward as Christian uh, people? He desires for you and I to consider Jesus Christ. To consider Jesus Christ. Now, there's some different ways you and I use the word consider. How many have used the word consider as a polite way to say no? I've done it. Oh, I'll I'll consider that. (laughs) Yeah, right. Now, I, I actually had no plans on ever bringing that thought back into my mind. It was a very polite way, Brother Dave, to say, I'm not going to, but just so you, just so you stop asking me about it, I'll consider it. Absolutely not. There's another way we use it to give casual thought. Sometimes I think when we, when we look at that word consider, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll consider it. Yeah, different than get off my back and no. But I'll, you know what? I will take a few minutes and I will think about it. Yeah, I mean, if it works in my schedule, great. Yeah, I mean, if I've got nothing else going on, then, then yeah, 
I'll, I'll consider that. But this word consider found here is not a casual way of saying no, and it's not a, a casual thinking or a casual uh, meditation. The word consider found is an actually uh, intended to fix the mind on with a view of careful examination. To think on with care, to ponder, to study, to meditate on, or to look at with attention. It's not that he says, I want you to briefly take just a moment and consider Christ. Uh, it's not, I just want you to, to allow a few moments when you get the opportunity uh, to think about uh, who Jesus is for a minute. He says, no, uh, the Holy Spirit of God is saying, Christian brethren, uh, partakers of the holy calling, would you stop and would you take time to consider, would you take time to meditate, would you take time to arrest your attention to, would you take time to think much about the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. That same word consider is much like what Jesus told Thomas to do. If you remember the story, Christ appears before uh, the, other ten, the other 10 apostles at the time. Ju Judas is already out of the picture. And Jesus appears before them and shows himself to them. Jesus will leave and Thomas will come back and they'll say, hey, Jesus Christ is risen. Woo, we saw him in person. And why do you and I call Thomas doubting Thomas? Because of what takes place. Thomas says, I don't believe it. No, 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 there's, there's no way. No, unless, unless I take time to put my hands and see the scar, the wounds in his hands, unless I take time to see uh, that pierced uh, side of his, no, I, I refuse to believe it unless I see it for myself. So what happens? Jesus walks into the room. And what does Jesus say to Thomas? There in John chapter 20, verse number 27, he says, Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. What was Jesus telling Thomas? Thomas, I want you to take a minute and I want you to consider me. Consider the person standing before you. Go ahead, put your hand in my hand. You want to see the wound on my side? Take a look at it, Thomas. There it is. And of course, Thomas makes a bold profession there. Why? Because Thomas took a moment to consider, to think, to meditate, to study, to look upon Christ. The Holy Spirit says, believer, child of God, I want you to look at what I've said and what is going to be said. And I want you to carefully examine. I want you to study. I want you to think. I want you to meditate on Jesus. Now, I'm convinced this morning that as important as it was for the Hebrews, the saved Jews whom this book was addressed to, to consider Christ, I'm also convinced that if one, if not the most important things that you and I could do as a Christian is to also consider Jesus Christ. And this is where the introduction comes in. We talked about how full our minds can be and how so many things can arrest our attention. Very few of us ever take time or make time to adequately and purposefully 
study and consider who Jesus really is. With the busyness of life, we can be guilty of being called Christians without ever considering Christ. Why do we need to consider Jesus? Before we answer that, I want to take a moment and consider why the Holy Spirit encouraged the Hebrews to do the same. These Hebrew believers, these Hebrew Christians were saved out of the Old Testament law and practices. Think about it just for a moment. The sacrifices in the temple that had been so meaningful to them were now meaningless. Every year they would bring an offering, a blood sacrifice to the temple to atone for their sins and for their family. And everything that they had done up to this point, it didn't matter anymore. Matter of fact, for a Jewish believer to bring a sacrifice to the temple, according to the book of Hebrews, was considered to be a sin. That's what the past was. And now we're in a present dispensation. We're in a different thing. The Christ has already come. You've placed your faith in him. We're not looking to what will take place. We're looking to what already has taken place. So different for each one of them. The high priest who had been revered is now irrelevant to the new believer. The covenants of the Old Testament have been replaced with new covenants. The temple replaced with a new temple inside the spirit, uh, inside the believer. The past leaders had been, who had been highly esteemed and, and held as examples were now secondary to the Son of God. Why was the Holy Spirit asking these Hebrews to consider Christ? Their lives had been so wrapped up in the practices of Judaism, they were missing the very person of Jesus Christ. They were missing who it was all about. And so the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, Hebrews, if you will stop and consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, if you will stop and look at and meditate on Christ, you will find out that Jesus Christ is better. And thus the entire book of Hebrews, that Jesus is better than, Jesus is better than the prophets. He's better than the past leaders of Moses and Joshua and Aaron. He's better than the high priest. Jesus brings in a better covenant. Jesus gives better promises. Jesus offers a better hope. His sacrifice was a better sacrifice. He offers a better resurrection. He offers a better country, that of heaven. The Holy Spirit says, if you will meditate on Christ, if you will consider him, you will find out that Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Now, let's take a moment and make application to our own lives. Most of us, if not one of us, has been saved out of Judaism this morning. Most of us were not professing in the, the Judaistic faith. Though this encouragement and this command of Hebrews still applies for us today. We are still holy brethren. We are partakers of his holy calling. And you and I do not struggle with the adherence to fulfilled Old Testament practices. 
or our old observances of religion. You know where we struggle? We struggle with ourselves. Most of us were not saved out of Judaism. We were saved out of self. We were saved out of self. You say, Pastor Frost, what what do you mean by that? Let me explain. Before salvation, before we met Jesus, we lived in the way that we wanted to live. We did what we wanted to do. We We went where we wanted to go. We believed in what we wanted to believe. We participated in that which made us happy. We pleased ourselves. It was our goals, our desires, our plans, our money, our life. We lived for self. But somewhere along the line, we met Jesus Christ. Isn't that a great thought? Somewhere along the line, we met Jesus Christ and things began to change. I don't know when that time was for you where you were introduced to the person of Jesus Christ and you placed your faith in the sinless son of God as Romans chapter 10 verse number nine goes on to say that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation for the scripture saith, whosoever believeth in him, in him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. God sees us all the same. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And though we're saved and we know it, I don't know about you, but I still battle with self. I still battle with self. Paul wrote to the church of Galatia. There in Galatians chapter four, verse number nine, it says, but now after that ye have known God or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto ye desire to be again, be in bondage? Paul says, why would you take a look back at those things that held you captive back there? There's something new for you. There's something different for you. But how many times have I and we been guilty of having Christ, but yet not living like Christ. Having Christ, but not having the mind of Christ. It's so frustrating trying to live the Christian life without the mind of Christ. And though we're saved, we can be guilty of trying to overcome an addiction in our own power. Well, if, you know what, if I just work a little bit harder, I'll get the victory in this. Oh, if I, if I just spend a little bit more time working at it and working at it and working at it, I'm going to make it. I'm going to do this. And our minds so many times, even as believers, fall back on self. Many did not come or did not join a worship service across America today. Why? Because somewhere in there, self prevailed. Self prevailed. It was not about Christ, it was about self. As holy brethren and partakers of a heavenly calling, we need to consider Jesus Christ. Not necessarily because you and I in the book of Hebrews need to be reminded 
uh, that Jesus is better than Judaism. But you and I need to be reminded that Jesus is better than self. That his ways are better than your ways. That his plan is better than your plan. That his paths are better than the path that you have already set out for yourself. That his words are better than your words. That the joy that he offers is better than the happiness that you seek after. That the promise he gives are far better than the promises of the world. That the grace that he gives is far better than the works that you're trying to earn. His forgiveness is much deeper than your forgiveness. His strength is much greater than your strength. His peace is so far better than your peace and his hope is so far better than your hope. Jesus Christ is the opposite of self. He is selfless. Consider Philippians chapter two, verse number five. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal of God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, Jesus Christ was the opposite of self. Jesus was selfless. And this morning, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. You say, Pastor, what would you like us to do this month? I want to challenge you this month to consider Jesus. To consider Jesus, not, not, not to casually dwell on who the person of Christ is. But I'm asking you this month to take time and to meditate on your Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm asking you this month to take time and think about and to examine, to look at, to study the person of Jesus Christ. And I pray you're going to find out exactly what the writer of Hebrews found out, that Jesus is better. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 says this, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about, with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside the weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Usually we quote verses 1 and 2, but we leave off verse number 3. And here's verse number three. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. What he said, with all the busyness of the world, with all the craziness going on out there and the race that we're given to run, you better take time to consider Christ or you become weak. 
and you're going to become weary. And you might even have to take a break in this Christian walk. And so what is the admonition? Look to Jesus. Consider who Christ is. New believer this morning. Maybe you've been saved in the last couple weeks or this last year. And you're trying to do this Christian thing on your own. And it is difficult. As in our Sunday school lesson this morning that I sat under, we learned it's impossible to do it on our own. I ask you to take time to consider Christ. Would you take a moment and find out that the strength that you're so desiring to have is found in Jesus Christ? And the joy that, that you desire, the joy that you want, it, that joy is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And that hope that you long for, it's found in Jesus Christ. To the believer that's been saved for a long time, I want to ask you, have you left your first love? When's the last time you took time to meditate, to think about to consider Christ again. Oh, I know you've, you've read his word and I know you've been to church and I know you, you've served him and I, I've done all those same things. But I must admit very little of my time is spent considering the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. Very little time. Unfortunately, is, giving, is given to meditate on who Christ is. Why do we get weary? Why do so many take a break from Christianity? Why do so many struggle? I mean, people have been saved for such a long time. Could it be that we stopped meditating? We stopped thinking about? We stopped learning? We stopped pondering on who Christ is? Ah, there's an encouragement for new believers to consider Christ. There's an encouragement to old believers to consider Christ. And let me take just a moment and say this morning to non-believers, would you consider Christ this morning? You will never win on self. Oh, but Pastor Frost, if I just worked a little harder, I could earn my way to heaven. It's not of works of righteousness that we have done. You can't do it. Oh, but Pastor Frost, if I, just, if I just tried to do a little bit better, if I just tried to be a, a little bit more faithful to church, I think I could do it. What is that? That's self. That's, that's self. I desire for you to find out this morning that Jesus is better. That there's not one thing that you could do to earn your way to heaven. You can't try harder and you can't be better. Why? Because Jesus has already taken care of it for you. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, not of yourselves, not of self. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. And maybe there's one here this morning that does not know Jesus Christ as their personal savior. What I pray you find out this morning is that Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Head bowed and eyes closed.